We're turning to 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. We're going to go right to this, so get your Bible handy. This will be on the screen. I want you to know this is a very important message. Every message is important. I think where we are in the life of our congregation, this message is going to speak to each of us. I believe this message is going to speak to you in where you are in your family or in your home. And we go to 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 8. The title of the message today is just simply The Widow at Zarephath. I guess a subtitle could be The Will of God, Blessings and Responsibilities. Here's how it reads. Then the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, saying, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Only a handful of flour in a bin. And a little jar and a little oil in a jar. And see, see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. Doesn't sound really good, does it? She's saying, I'm preparing my last meal on earth. I don't have anything else. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it. Come on, first. Bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and your son, for thus says the Lord God of Israel. The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she, she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate many days. She actually ate for two years. The bin of flour was not used up, nor the joy of all run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which is spoken, which he spoke by Elijah. How many of you know you can depend on the word of the Lord? Come on. 
Whether you're in a famine, whether you're in a drought, whether you're facing a mountain, whatever you're facing, you can depend on the Word. Hear this. The Word of God doesn't just work in the fair seasons. The Word of God will work in every season. The widow at Zarephath. I must hurry. I begin with this question. What do you consider the most important thing in your life? It's a relevant question. I'm going to tell you. Not only is it a relevant question for Christians, but really and truly, it's, it's relevant for every person. How many people now? Eight, eight billion people? Seven, eight billion people on planet Earth? What do you consider the most important issue in your life? Some would say career. Some would say money. Some would say pleasure. Some would say family. Some would say health. Some would say politics. You would have as many thousands, I guess, of, of answers to that question. But I want to just get to it. Because the most important issue in this story is really the most important issue in our lives. And that's this. For every single person that ever lives on this planet or has ever lived or ever will live on this planet, the central top issue in each of our lives is this. Is this. What is the will of God for my life? And you say, well, Pastor, why is that such an important issue? Because for every single person that's ever been granted life, each of us, every person, the billions that have ever lived, all of us will one day stand before the living Lord Jesus Christ and we will give an account for that issue. What have we done with the will of God? Here's what John said. John said that it was an important issue. He said, there's two, there's two forces in the world. There's two things pulling us, and it's this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, these are not of the Father, but of the world. The world is passing away, and the lust thereof, but he who does the will of God will abide forever. You understand, the will of God is is not the great option. The will of God is an eternal issue. Is an eternal issue. So this morning we look at Elijah, another epoch in his life. An incredible story. He goes to a town with a widow that lives there. It's the town, it's called Zarephath. And in this story, we're going to learn about the will of God. What is the will of God? How do I understand the will of God? Can I understand the will of God? How do I walk out the will of God? What happens when I obey the will of God? You're going to find out this morning. Elijah had been given a command by God. Go speak to the king. I have a message for him. Here's the message. Because of Baal worship, because you have violated God's command, there shall be no dew nor rain for these years except at my word. Now, Elijah, now I want you to go and sit by the brook. Go to the brook chair. There, you're going to drink the water out of the brook. The ravens are going to come. There's going to be a miracle. I'm going to cause the ravens to do the opposite of what their nature is, and they're going to bring you food. You're going to know it's a miracle. So Elijah is sitting there by the brook, but then something happens. The brook dries up. Ravens stop coming. You ever had your source dry up? Elijah did. As he's sitting there, he gets another word from the Lord. Notice, Elijah's always waiting on the word of the Lord. That's important. Please, let's do not take these things into our own hands. 
I'm not smart enough. These men are not smart enough. I know they're not smart No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm certainly not smart enough. We're going to keep our eyes on him who is perfect in all of his ways. And Elijah's waiting on the word of the Lord. And he gets another word, strange word. Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath. There is a widow that I've commanded to feed you there. And Elijah goes to Zarephath as he's walking in the gate. Sure enough, sure enough, just like God said, as he's walking in the gate, there's the widow. She's gathering the sticks. He says to her, get me some water. She's going to get the water. Hey, bring me a, bring me a morsel of bread. I don't have any bread. Hey, by the way, it, 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 God's going to do this. Make me a cake. Make it to me first, and God's going to do something wonderful in your life. Listen, in other words, if you obey what God commands, there's something wonderful coming your way. You hear that? When we walk in the will of God, doesn't mean it's always easy. It wasn't easy for these folks. Brooks drying up, ravens stop coming. One lady's thirsty. Uh, got a, you know, has a child. Husband probably died, and yet, right in the middle of that, he says, "If you will obey me, no matter what is happening around you, if you will do what I command you to do, something wonderful is coming your way." Isn't that amazing? As he goes to Zarephath, it's interesting, he has to travel over 100 miles, and he's traveling over 100 miles, really, in enemy territory. Uh, we get from the story that the drought has not only gripped Israel, all of Israel, but now this drought is gripping, it's reaching out of Israel, it's affecting the nations that surround little Israel. And he tells this lady to feed Elijah. Now here's what I want to jump into. I want to show you six principles out of this story about how to discover the will of God. What is the will of God like? And then I want to end with three incredible blessings that happen. If you and I today in 2021 will say, we're going to follow God's word. Because if we'll follow God's word individually but also as a church, we're going to run right into the blessing of the Lord. What is the will of God like? First of all, I'm going to look at understanding the will of God. I don't believe the will of God is some incredible mystery, that like a, like a carrot on a stick, that somehow the Lord's just keeping it out of our reach. I've met people like that, and I, also, I personally think there's some underlying issues of why it's like that, and I've had personal interaction with people that have lived that way for years and years and years. But I won't get into that. But here's what Paul said. Paul said, understanding what the will of the Lord is, Ephesians 5 and 17. Here's the first thing I want you to see out of this story concerning the will of God, about how to discover the will of God. You'll notice this, six principles. Number one is this. The will of God is revealed in the Word of God. Come on. Now, you know that, but I want to hammer that. The will of God is revealed in God's written Word. Now, in your own time, I want you to go back through this little story, verse 8, verse 9, verse 14, and verse 16, all have to do with what God has said. Elijah, do this. Elijah, go there. This is going to happen. Widow, do this. Widow, do that. Word of God, word of God, word of God, over and again. What we have in the Scripture is the revealed 
will of God to us and for us. We have the will of God. When, when, I, when, when I carry a Bible around and you carry and walk around with a Bible, you have in your possession the revealed will of God for everything that you'll ever need. Remember what Peter said? He's given us everything that pertains to life and to godliness. This is the revealed will of God. Now, I've met many Christians, many Christians, who, how would I say, who really want, they really want God to reveal His will in extraordinary ways. I mean, they want an angel to sing. They want a night vision. They want some great prophet to come and speak over them. And, and they want God to reveal his will in, in extraordinary and fanciful ways. Well, certainly God has done that within his word. But I will put a little caveat on that. I'll put a little, a little note on that. I doubt very seriously that God is going to come. And he can't. Listen, you, you read the word of God. God revealed his will in extraordinary ways. It would almost take your breath away. But let me say this to us in New Testament. Abraham did not have this. Joseph of Genesis didn't have this. Job didn't have this. Many of the matri- they didn't have what you and I have. So in this New Testament sense, I doubt very seriously that somehow we're going to get some extraordinary revelation from God when we will not simply open the Word of God and spend an afternoon meditating in the miraculous pages of the Word of our God. Why? Because in the Word of God, we have the revelation of the will of God. Remember this, thy word is a lamp to my feet. Thy word is a light to my path. The psalmist said this, you will guide me with your counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. It says in Peter that this is the prophetic word confirmed. It's like a light that shines in a dark place. We have light, church. We have revelation for everything that we need in life. What what do I understand from God's spoken word and God's written word? I know what, what kind of morals that I need to have. I know what righteousness and unrighteousness is. I know what marriage looks like. It's a marriage manual. I know what... I need to do with my money. I know what priorities I need to have in my life. I know what things are dangerous for me. I know the the prohibitions and the encouragements are. We, We understand these things. We understand things in this life, how we are to live and what we are to be doing as the people of the Lord. We know how to we know how to conduct the church because of the Word of God. We know what a what a church is. We know what pastors are supposed to look like. We know what deacons are supposed to look like. We know what the priorities of the church are to be. How do we know that? Because of the word of our God. See, the, word of, the will of God is revealed to us in the word of God. Also understand eternal things that are beyond this world in a sense. Through the written word of God, I understand who the one true God is. I understand how we got here. I understand distinction. We understand that God is Father, He's Son, and He's Holy Spirit. We understand salvation. The the Bible is a book of redemption. It's a book of redemption. We understand that Jesus is the Savior. That's what the kids are are learning this morning. Jesus is Redeemer. He redeems us. 
We understand that salvation is by faith. It's not of works. We understand that we must trust what God has done to be saved. We understand from the Word of God how to receive the Holy Spirit. We understand there's going to be a judgment general. There's going to be a, a judgment seat of evaluation for those who do know the Lord. We understand that there's a heaven. We understand that there's a hell. We understand what real love is. You understand, the Word of God is the revelation of His will. And in this story, in a short few verses, five or six times, it says, the Word of the Lord came. The Word of the Lord spoke. God said, do this. God fulfilled this. I'm telling you, if you want to know the will of God in your life, stop waiting around for Gable to show up and open the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for the church. It'll be an infallible guide. It'll never let you down. Notice this, we begin to see life through God's perspective, through God's will. When we put on, you know, I got some new glasses. I did not realize how bad my eyesight had become with my other glasses. And guess what happened? I got in that chair, that optometrist, and I got in that chair. He said, let me see your glasses. He took my glasses, he dialed them in, and then he did all the stuff. that He says, here's where you are, and then he said, here's where I'm taking you. I went, oh. You know what I did? Here's what I said. No, here's what I said. Here's what I said. I literally sitting in the chair, and I said, it's a whole new world. That's what I said. <laughs> I thought, I did not realize how blurry things, even with my glasses, I have bifocals and the whole thing. You know what happens when we put on gospel glasses? We begin to see a whole new world. We begin to see that Jesus is our hope. We begin to see think bad. things may be looking bad, but we're going to a place of hope. The kingdom of God shall be established. Jesus shall rule and reign on this earth. We have hope in Jesus Christ. How can you be discouraged when you have a Bible in your hands? The will of God to this lady and to Elijah was revealed by the word of God. We find the will of God in the Word of God. May, listen, may we always be a church of the Word of God. The thing that the Lord has burned in my heart over these many, many months and a year as we build this new church, it must be a safe place. It must be a safe place. People will never come in this place and hear some weird, strange doctrine. They're not going to come in this place when people are doing weird and strange things that dishonor the Lord. We need to be a safe, healthy church of Jesus Christ. A people of godliness, a people of prayer, a people of the Word of God, a people evangelizing the world that they live in. Let's be a safe church. Let's be a healthy church. So here's the widow and Elijah discovering the will of God because the Word of the Lord came. The Word of the Lord came. Here's the second thing about God's will, and that's this. God's will is always revealed to you at the perfect timing. Look at this. Perfect timing. You ever felt like God's late? Don't shout too loud. I know, I know what's in your heart right now. You know as well as I do. We know the Lord is good. Absolutely. We don't doubt His goodness, His love. But you ever want to have a little talk with the Lord about His timing? Lord, it'd be great to do a you know, miracle now, you know. Do you know God can run His business? Perfect timing. You know, this little hiccup that we had, it's in God's will. I'm telling you, perfect timing. I want you to notice in this story, God's timing in his will, is just on time, just when we need it. Now, notice this. Both Elijah and this dear lady were in grave danger. There's a famine. Now, we've never known this in my lifetime. 
There, is, there are those in here that maybe were part or the end of the Great Depression. We've never known hunger in my lifetime. I don't know where we're headed, but, but I know this. In this story, you have a famine and a drought in the land. You have a lady that's making her last meal. You have a prophet that's run out of water and the brook's dried up and the ravens are not coming anymore. And all of a sudden, at perfect timing, God shows up and speaks a word, gives a direction, and God begins to move. Only for walking in his will. Understand that. Here's what you need to remember. God is faithful to tell you exactly what you need to do. Perfect timing. But I would give a little caution here. We have to be listening. What if Elijah's sitting by a drying brook with ravens that have stopped coming and he decides to take things into his own hands and he begins to take a, his own direction and do his own things or gets involved in something else? I, th- I do think there are Christians that have missed what God wanted for them because they weren't listening. Do, do you realize that in the Revelation, seven different times... It says this, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Seven different times. He that has perfect number, seven. Why would God have to say seven different times, he that has an ear, hear what the Spirit says to the churches? Because the enemy will distract us, the enemy will get us preoccupied with other things, and we can miss what God wants to say to us. We can miss our moment. We need to become good at listening. We Americans are not good at listening. We may be the worst people on the planet. Have you noticed this? I'm not trying to be unkind to anyone, but I think this is good for me and for all of us. Have you ever noticed how many conversations you're in and you can never finish a sentence? Somebody's already butting in. They're not listening. I think Americans do that. I really do. I think it's an American habit. That we don't really listen to someone before we start speaking and running over the end of their sentence. And we can we cannot be listening to God. But we need to listen to Him because God's, God reveals His will, not only in His Word. But he reveals it in perfect timing. God spoke to Elijah just as the water dried up, just as the ravens stopped coming, just as the lady is preparing the last little meal. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go under. No, God's about to give you a miracle like, like you've never seen before. Perfect timing. Wait on him. Here's the third thing about God's will, and that's this. God's will normally comes in segments. I've seen this over and over in my life. Don't you wish that God would give you a five-year plan? Yeah. Don't you wish that God would give you a 10-year plan? Don't you wish that God would give you a a week plan? Come on, a week plan. Just a week, just one week, God. But if we did that, you know what we'd do? We'd probably stop praying. We'd We'd probably stop spending time with him. But I've noticed this in my own life. Notice it in Elijah's life. God did not tell him about Zarephath until he had gone to Cherith. God did notice notice this in the story. God didn't say, Elijah, I want you to go to Cherith, go, go to Cherith and then I'm going to send you to Zarephath for two years. God never said that. 
segments. Here's what I want you to do, Elijah. I want you to go to Cherith, and here's what's going to happen there. The water's going to, you're going to drink from the water, and the ravens are going to feed you there. And for about six months, now, now, don't you know that God knew the whole plan? But, but what did God reveal? Did God reveal the whole thing? No, he revealed a segment of it. This is how God normally works. Now, I'm very hesitant to say, well, this is how God's going to do it. But I'm telling you, I've seen it over and over. We see it in the Word of God. I've seen it in my own life. The will of God will be revealed to this church and to you as an, as an individual person, segment by segment by segment. And as soon as the brook dried up, then the Word comes. Go to Zarephath. Notice in the widow's life, segments. Fetch me a little water. Okay? Then the next word comes. Hey, give me a morsel of bread. I don't have bread. Make me a cake. Okay. Segment by segment by segment. Now notice this. Each time... In this story, each time the widow obeyed, each time Elijah obeyed, they get another word. If you're not getting another word from the Lord, maybe you need to steward the word that you have. Maybe he's not through with where you are right there. We have to stewardship the word of God. Stewardship the voice of God. Stewardship the will of God. See, obedience opens up the will of God to us. Here's what Jesus said quickly. He said, if anyone wills to do his will, if anyone wills to do his will, he shall know. When you will to do his will, and when you start walking in that will, it opens up knowledge. It opens up the knowledge of the Word of God, step by step by step. The the minister, F.B. Meyer, has an incredible comment, and I'll quote. Here's what it says, and I quote. God's servants must learn to take one step at a time. God does not give all the directions at once, lest we should be, con- lest we should be confused. He tells us just as much as we, as we can remember to do. Then we must look to Him for more. And so we learn by easy stages, the, notice, I love this, the sublime habits of obedience and trust. This is how God reveals his will, segment by segment, step by step. It's just, have you ever driven at night? Certainly you have. The headlights of your car. If you're driving to California, your car, your lights are not shining from here to California. They're shining just far enough where you can drive. Listen, just far enough that it's safe. Do you realize the word that God has spoken to you is safe? Do that word. It'll get you to the next place. The question is, what's God? telling you to do. The will of God is like a spiritual stewardship. I've seen this work in my own life quickly, personal story. When I was a very young minister, just been married, Miss and I hadn't been married very long at all, we were in a ministry opportunity in Alabama. And after about three months there, I felt that the Lord wanted us to move back to Texas. Couldn't understand it, but I just knew in my heart that I was done with that assignment. And I told her, I told Missy, I said, 
I feel like my assignment's done here. Our assignment's done here. I, I don't have a next assignment, but I feel like that the Lord wants us to move back to Texas. And there's a, a number of things there that I don't have time to share. We move back to Texas, and after a period of weeks waiting on the Lord, I was standing in the back of a foyer of a church, and I, I saw a man that I hadn't seen in years and years. You know, the Lord can put it all together, can he? I hadn't seen this man in years, and he, he came up to me, and we shook hands. He said, what, 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 are you, what are you and Missy doing these days? I said, well, we were in a ministry assignment in Alabama, and we, that assignment ended, and we're just waiting on the Lord. And he paused for a moment, and he looked straight at me. He said, you know what? There's a church in Oklahoma that's been looking for kind of a youth and associate pastor. I really think you and that pastor would fit well together. And so I left it at that. About two weeks later on a Sunday night, I just left church and I was walking in the house and the phone was ringing. I picked up the phone and the, the minister on the other end introduced himself and uh, we talked. He, he told, you know, we're looking for a, another staff member, et cetera, et cetera. He said, would you come and see us? And what I didn't know is they'd been through about 10 interviews and every one of them were a dead end. Every one of them, it just like a, a you know a, 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 a round peg in a square hole, vice versa. And I said, "Sure, I will, we'll drive up." And it was about seventy miles, and so we drove up to Oklahoma. And this pastor later testified one one of the greatest. I believe what he told me because he's one of the greatest men of integrity I've ever met. As soon as Missy and I walked through the door, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, "That's your man." Just as clear as a bell, this is the man you've been looking for. Just as clear. God spoke in his heart, this is the man that I want you to bring here. We ended up staying at that church almost seven years. That man became like a father to me that I so desperately needed. Yesterday, my wife and my daughters went up to their house in Oklahoma and spent the whole day with them. They became our dearest friends in really, in all the world. All because God reveals his will segment by segment by segment. He didn't tell me all he was going to do, but I just needed to know. I needed to go from Alabama to Texas, and if I get to Texas, I'm going to get the next word from the Lord. Do you realize that if we will stewardship the will of God, the Lord will guide us into his blessings? Now quickly, number four, got to hurry. Here's the fourth thing, and that's this. The will of God is often, often, underscore often, opposed to our circumstances. Now, what would I say about that? I, I would just say this. If you're waiting for the will of God to be easy, you're probably never going to do the will of God. The will of God is not easy. There are times that the will of God, it is a narrow path. It is a rocky path. It is difficult because there is a cross in Christianity. Now, many people, they say, well, you know, as long as it's easy street, as long as it doesn't inconvenience me, as long as it doesn't cost me anything, as long as it doesn't demand anything, I'll do the will of God. Well, let me tell you, you're never going to do the will of God then. Because as you look at this story, there's every reason that Elijah and the widow at Zarephath, there's plenty of excuses they had for not doing the will of God. Let me give you several. One is, why would he go why would he go to Sidon? Why, do we, why would he go up to Phoenicia? Why would he go up there a hundred miles? 
in a famine. There's no water. Where's he going to get food, etc.? Also, Sidon was a center of Baal worship. Ethbel lived there. You say, well, who's Ethbel? That's Jezebel's dad. He's going to go to Zarephath, eight miles away from Zarephath, from Sidon. Why would you do that? What about the, the widow? Why in the world would a widow be told to take care of a prophet? If you were wanting to, especially in a famine, in a drought, the last person in the world that you would go for to help would ever help would be a widow. A widow with a son in a drought that's affecting the whole world as far as you know it. Why would she do that? Why would he do that? See, the will of God is going to cost us something. It's going to be hard. It's going to demand some things of us. Here's the fifth thing, and that's this. The will of God demands that we die to self-centeredness. Now, you have to read this on your own time. But this woman, this widow, expresses an incredible spirit of selflessness. Now, I want you to, I want you to notice this. We, you know, this, is, this goes in the face of, a, of an incredibly selfish world. First of all, he asks her for a drink of water. She's ga- now, notice this. She's gathering sticks to cook her last meal. That's it. She has nothing else. He says, would you get me a drink of water? She immediately, immediately goes and does it. Get me a morsel of bread. Lord, uh, Master uh, Elijah, sir, prophet, I have, this is it. I don't even have the bread. I've got to cook this and then we're going to die. If you'll do this, the Lord will bless you. Do it for me first. She said, okay. Notice this. Notice Joseph Parker, the British pastor, said this. you, you got to get the weight of this. I told my wife as I was talking about this sermon to her, we, we read the Bible and we don't get the weight of what's happening. I want you to get the weight of what this woman is doing. Joseph Parker picks up on it. He said this, the woman was asked for all she had, and she gave it. I want you to give me every single thing you own. And she said, yes. I'll put you first. But really, it's about putting God first. Because Elijah is standing in the place of God. He's standing in the face of the prophet. This is not about you supporting some indulgent preacher somewhere on TV. This is about putting God first in your life. Life. How many people have dethroned Jesus? Oh, they verbally say, yo, me and Jesus are good, but yet he's second in prayer, second in church attendance, second in giving, second in service. He's not even on the throne of their heart. Why? Because of selfishness. And here's this woman, completely unselfish. Isn't it amazing? Here's the sixth thing about God's will. And that's this, you're going to have to overcome human reasoning. You're going to have to overcome your own carnal human reasoning. Because this story battles my intellect, as I've already alluded to. If you want an excuse not to do the will of God, you're going to find it. Because sometimes when God's telling you to do something, it doesn't make natural sense. Now, certainly it makes spiritual sense 
But it doesn't make natural sin. It goes against our human intellect. It goes against our humanness, our carnality, the way we think in this world. God's ways, listen, are higher than our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are His ways above our ways. This story just battles our human reasoning. Why would Elijah go to, as I've said, why would he go to Zarephath? Why couldn't he just hide out in Israel? Surely he had a bunch of friends there. He's going to enemy territory. Why, why would he do that? Doesn't make any natural sense. Why would a widow be commanded to take care of the prophet? She didn't have anything. Why would you give your last meal to a preacher that shows up at the gate that you've never seen before? Hey, give me your last meal. That doesn't make any sense. Even what God said to her through the prophet, the meal will not run dry. The oil flask will not run run out. She had no precedence for that. It just goes against our human reasoning. Here's what I would say, and I'm closing. We are not asked to understand the commands of God. We're called to do them. We're not asked to understand the commands. We're commanded to do them. And what's happening in our modern church, listen to me. Here's what's happening in our modern church. We, we have elevated human intellect above the commands of God because they don't fit into our human reasoning. I can tell you this. The cross of Christ is foolishness to a fallen world. The cross of Christ is foolishness to human intellect. How can a man 2,000 years ago died on a cross, was said to be buried and raised again? You're telling me 2,000 years later, if I put my faith in him, that I'm, he's going to write my name in some book somewhere? That he's going to wash my sins away? That I'm going to go to heaven when I die? That's exactly what I'm saying. That's our gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. I believe it with all of my heart, but it goes against human reasoning. Why? We want to do something to merit salvation. We want to, we want to achieve it by intellect. We want to try to figure it out with philosophy. The cross is foolishness to a lost world. But listen, Corinthians says to us who believe, it is the power of Almighty God. You're going to fight human reasoning. You're going to fight it in the will of God. But three things happened. If we would come to the piano. Three things happened when we walk in the pathway of His will. When God tells us to do something, we may not understand it. It may seem foolish. But notice what happens here. There's three words I want to give you. One has to do with God's providence. What do you mean? Romans 8, 28 is what I mean. All things work together for good to those that love God, those that are called according to His purpose. You ever notice for the Christian, it, things just work out. It's amazing how they just work out. I mean, you be somebody say, "Hey, let's go, uh, let's go uh, eat lunch," and they hand you a ten thousand dollar check. Now you act really, really unemotional. I guess that happens to you constantly. Then, <laughs> really, I mean, you run in the run in the run in the contact with a ten thousand dollar check. Providence. People that live in Hawaii will just all of a sudden move to Mesquite 
and try to find our church and can't find the church because we sold the church. And then they're driving down Beltline Road and then all of a sudden, hey, I think that was that church we're looking for. And then all of a sudden realizing there's a background with people that his dad knows and that we know and there's a connection that we never could have dreamed of in a thousand years. It's called providence. It's called the prophet walking in the gate of the city and there's the woman gathering sticks. Right place, right time, perfect timing. Providence. When you love God and say, I'll do whatever you want me to do. If you tell me to stand on my head on top of this building, get me a ladder because I'm heading up. Also, the power of Almighty God is released. Think about the power that's released. For two years. Now, this is now understand the miracle that's taking place here. The Lord did not fill her house up with food. She doesn't have, oh, wow, look, Elijah, there's 75 boxes of rice. We're going to make it. No, ma'am, no, sir. She would go in in the morning, in the evening, whenever. She would make the food for the day, and it was all gone. No oil left, no meal left. She would go back in there the next morning, and there it is again. Power every day. Miracles every single day. Now think about it. Charles Spurgeon comments on this. I won't read his quote, but I'm going to tell you what he said. I don't want to read it because he talks in such a way that we don't talk. <laughs> Victorian English, you know, like, okay. Guys like that could say, I'm going to the gas station to get gas. And they could make it sound and you'd want to get saved. They say it so eloquently. But Charles Spurgeon comments this, why didn't God just give her enough for two years? He said this, because the, God's miracles also move with his wisdom. What do you think would have happened? You ever, you ever watch people? You ever watch people, people, people are about, lost people are about that far from becoming animals. The civilized and the uncivilized are about that, about that much with people that don't have the Holy Spirit. What do you think would happen if she had a house full of food? They would have torn her house down. They would have killed her and her son. But God just secretly, wisely supplying, every day I have enough. Every day I have enough. It's the provision of the Lord. How, how does it flow? Now think about it when we obey Him. The same principle is in Philippians. The very same principle. My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And everybody wants to claim that verse. But it's only for those who obey God. Because if you read a few verses up, what did it say to the Philippians? Your care for me has flourished. Time and again you sent to meet my need. They're, they're doing what God told them to help the missionary Paul, the apostle. And now my God shall supply. So the question for us is this as we stand. The question is this. The question is this, saints, as we stand together. If you have a great need in your life, maybe there's a mountain, maybe there's a supply, there's a supply that's run out. The question is not, how does my need get met? The question is, what is God telling you to do? You hear me? Did you, I don't think you caught that. 
If you have a great need in your life, maybe a family need, a financial need, the question is not, how am I going to get my need met? The question is, what's God telling you to do? Because it's in the path of obeying Him that you're going to come into providence, supernatural power, and incredible provision from the Lord. The question is, are you obeying God? Are you doing what God is telling you to do? That's the question. And if we're obeying Him, perfect timing. Perfect timing. Everything that we're doing, this is God's work. I'm not, I'm not going to lose any more hair. <laughs> Had to add that part. I'm putting it into His hands. Let's bow our heads for one more moment. Pastor, this message spoke to me in an area of my life. I want you to pray for me. Let me see your hand right now. In Jesus' name. This message spoke to me. God bless you. 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 This spoke to my heart. God's speaking to me. God's speaking to me. Many, many hands across this room. God is speaking to me. I have a need in my life. Maybe the brook's dried up. Maybe the meal barrel it's got one handful left. Maybe the ravens have stopped coming. Maybe the source has dried up. The question is this. What's God's will? Now, I want everyone in this room, everyone, lift your hand or didn't. I want you to lift your hands and you pray this prayer your own way. Father, show me your will. Show me your will. Show me your will. Lord, I want to do your will. If it's to set by a brook, I want to do your will. If it's to go to Zarephath, I want to do your will. If it's to make a meal for the prophet, I want to do it. Lord, if it's to give my last dime, I want to do it. If it's to go talk to someone, I want to do it. If it's to serve, I want to do it. Lord, I will do anything that you call me to do, no matter what it is. If you call me to do it, I will do it. Because, oh God, the paths of your will are the paths of goodness and blessing and favor and intimacy with you and honor to your name. Lord, we want to obey your will. Lord, show everyone in this room what you have told them to do. Some of you in this room, God says, forgive. Forgive. As I was driving to church this morning, I was praying for those who have been my enemies. I told God, I release them to you. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I'm not the Lord. He's the one. I release all my enemies to God. Some of you, it's to do something in this church. You say it's going to be inconvenient. The will of God has a cross in it. The will of God demands we get rid of self-centeredness. You can't engage in everything this world calls and engage in God's voice. So, Father, you have seen every heart in this room. You've seen us as a congregation. What a story that we've experienced this morning. What a message of your will and your purpose. What an incredible story. Lord, I know you're right on time for every person. I, Lord, my prayer is that this message would go deep, deep, deep down in everyone's heart. That we would not be able to leave this message here at church. But Lord, that we would think about this message during the week. We would think about the importance of the will of God. We would think about how that the will of God sounds strange to lost people. We would think about your perfect timing. We would think about your wonderful providence. That when we do your will, 
Things just work out. We can't even explain it. We can't even explain how your provision comes. How the barrel is just there. It's full. The oil is there when we need it. What a mighty God you are. Now one more time. I want you to just take one moment here before I let you go. And just lift your hands. And I want you just to, in your own way, worship the Lord. Just worship Him. Just worship Him. We thank you for the God you are. We thank you that you showed us this story. We thank you that you're the God who meets our need. You're the God who speaks to us. You're the God who leads us in paths of righteousness. I thank you for your love and for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your compassions. They're new every morning. Thank you that you, even though we go through a hard time, like the widow and like the prophet, Lord, you don't let us down in those times. Those are just opportunities for you to show more mercy. We thank you today. And Lord, as we conclude this service, Father, I pray that you would let this message be a great encouragement. As Brother Jason has said, taste and see. Let us feast on your word and on these truths the rest of this week until we come back the next Lord's Day to worship together and to hear a fresh word from our God. Now, church, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God, and may the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all in Jesus' name. And everyone said,